Hello and welcome to Sleep Cove, the place to come for a great night's sleep. Please listen to this recording in a place where you can safely go to sleep. Hi everyone, we're now into autumn. The leaves are beginning to change colours and dropping to the floor and the clocks are changing and the nights are drawing in more. A couple of weeks ago, I read a Halloween tale, and tonight I'll be reading some autumn stories to you, a collection of folk tales and fairy tales. I really hope you enjoy it. And let's begin. Prince Autumn On the top of the hills in the west, stood the Prince of Autumn, and surveyed the land with his serious eyes. His hair and beard was dashed with grey, and there were wrinkles on his forehead. But he was good to look at, still and straight and strong. His splendid cloak gleamed red and green, and brown and yellow, and flapped in the wind. In his hand he held a horn. He smiled sadly and took a while and listened to the fighting and the singing and the cries. Then he raised his head, put the horn to his mouth and blew a lusty flourish. Summer goes his all-prospering way. Autumn's horn is corning. Heather dresses the brown hill clay, winds whip crackling across the bay, leaves in the grove keep falling. All the trees of the forest shook from root to top, themselves not knowing why. All the birds fell silent together. The stag in the glade raised his antlers in surprise and listened. The bobby's scarlet petals flew before the wind, but high on the mountains and on the bare hills and low down in the bog, the heather burst forth and blazed purple and glorious in the sun, and the bees flew from the faded flowers of the meadow and hid themselves in the heather fields, but Autumn put his horn to his mouth again and blew. Autumn lords it with banners bright, of garish leaves held over them, quelling summer's eternal fight, heralding winter wild and white, while the blithe little birds flee before him. The Prince of Summer stopped where he stood in the valley and raised his eyes to the hills in the west, and the Prince of Autumn took the horn from his mouth and bowed low before him. Welcome, said Summer. He took a step towards him and no more, as befits one who is the greater but the Prince of Autumn came down over the hills and again bowed low. 
they walked through the valley hand in hand, and so radiant was summer that wherever they passed, none was aware of autumn's presence. The notes of his horn died away in the air, and one and all recovered from the shudder that had passed over them. The trees and birds and flowers came to themselves again, and whispered and sang and fought. The river flowed, the rushes murmured, the bees continued their summer business in the heather. Wherever the princess stopped their progress through the valley, it came about that the foliage turned yellow on the side where autumn was. A little leaf fell from its stalk and fluttered away and dropped at his feet. The nightingale ceased singing, though it was eventide. The cuckoo was silent and flapped restlessly through the woods. The stork stretched himself in his nest and looked towards the south. But the princess took no heed. Welcome, said Summer again. Do you remember your promise? I remember, answered Autumn. Then the prince of Summer stopped and looked over the kingdom, where the noise was gradually subsiding. Do you hear them? he said. Now do you take that into your gentle keeping? I shall bring your produce home, said Autumn. I shall watch carefully over them that dream. I shall cover up lovingly them that are to sleep in the mould. I will warm them thrice of winter's coming. It is well, said Summer. They walked in silence for a while while night came forth. The honeysuckle's petals fell when you blew your horn, said Summer. Some of my children will die at the moment when I leave the valley, but the nightingale and the cuckoo and the stork I shall take with me. Again the two princes walked in silence. It was quite still. Only the owls hooted in the old oak. You must send my birds after me, said Summer. I shall not forget, replied Autumn. Then the Prince of Summer raised his hand in farewell and bade Autumn take possession of the kingdom. I shall go tonight, he said, and none will know save you. My splendour will linger in the valley for a while, and by the by, when I am far away and my reign is forgotten, the memory of me will revive once more with the sun and the pleasant days. Then he strode away in the night, but from the high treetop came the stalk on his long winds, and the cuckoo fluttered out of the tall woods and the nightingale 
flew from the thicket with her full-grown young. The air was filled with the soft murmurings of wings. Autumn's dominion had indeed begun on the night when summer went away, with a yellow leaf here and a brown leaf there, but none had noticed it. Now it went at a quicker pace, and as time wore on, there came even more colours and greater splendour. The lime trees turned bright and yellow, and the beech bronze, but the elder tree even blacker than it had been. The bell flower rang with white bells, where it used to ring with blue, and the chestnut tree blessed all the world with its five yellow fingers. The mountain ash shed its leaves that all might admire its pretty berries. The wild rose nodded with a hundred hips. The Virginia creeper broke over the hedge in blazing frames. Then autumn put his horn to his mouth and blew. The loveliest things of autumn's pack in his motley coffers lay, red mountains berries, hips sweet as cherries, sloes blue and black, he hung upon every spray. A blackbird and a thrush clattered blithely in the corpse wood, which gleamed with berries and a thousand sparrows kept them company. The wind ran from one to the other, and puff and panted to add to the fun. High up in the sky, the sun looked gently down upon it all, and the Prince of Autumn nodded contentedly and let his motley cloak flap in the wind. I am the least important of the four seasons, and I am scarcely lord in my own land, he said. I serve two jealous masters, and have to please them both, but my power extends so far that I can give you a few glad days. Then he put his horn to his mouth and blew, to the valley revelers high, they are clad in autumnal fancy dresses, they are weary of green and faded dresses. Summer has vanished, winter is nigh, hay fold de roll day for autumn. But the night after this happened, there was tremendous disturbance up on the mountain peaks, where the eternal snows had lain both in springtime and summers. It sounded like a storm approaching. The trees grew frightened. The crows were silent, the wind held its breath. Prince Autumn bent forward and I listened. Is that the worst you can do? shouted a hoarse voice through the darkness. Autumn raised his head and looked into Winter's great cold eyes. Have you forgotten the bargain? asked Winter. No, replied Autumn, I have not forgotten it. Have a care, 
shouted Winter. The whole night through, it rumbled and tumbled in the mountains. It turned so bitterly cold that the starlings thought seriously of packing up, and even the red creeper turned pale. The distant peaks glittered with new snow, and the Prince of Autumn laughed no more. He looked out earnestly over the land, and the wrinkles in his forehead grew deeper. It must be so then, he said, and he blew his horn. Autumn's horn blew a lusty chime, for the second time for the second time. He'd well the call complying, fling seed to earth and fill sacks full girth, plump back and side, pad belt and hide, hide all wings close for flying. Then suddenly a terrible bustle arose in the land, and now they all understood. Quick, said Autumn, the poppy and the bellflower and the pink stood thin, and dry as sticks with their heads full of seeds. The dandelion had presented each of his seeds with a sweet little parachute. Come dear wind and shake us, said the poppy. Fly away with my seeds, wind, said the dandelion, and the wind hastened to do as they asked. But the beech cunningly dropped his shaggy fruit, onto the hare's fur, and the fox got one also on his red coat. Quick now, said Autumn, there is no time to waste. The little brown mice filled their parlours from floor to ceiling with nuts and beech mast and acorns. The hedgehog had already eaten himself so fat that he could hardly lower his quills. The hare and fox and stag put on clean white wooden things under their coats. The starling and the thrush and the blackbird saw to their downy clothing and exercised their wings for their long journey. The sun hid himself behind the clouds and did not appear for many days. It began to rain, the wind quickened its pace It dashed the rain over the meadow, whipped the river into foam, and whistled through the trunks in the forest. Now the song is finished, said the Prince of Autumn, then he put his horn to his mouth and blew. Autumn's horn blew a lusty chime, for the last time, for the last time, ways close when need is sorest. Land birds fly clear, plunge flogs in mere, bee lock your lair, take shelter bare full last leaf in the forest, and then it was over. The birds flew from the land in flocks, the starling and the lapwind, the thrush and the blackbird, all migrated to the south. Every morning before the sun rose, the wind tore through the forest and pulled the last leaves off the trees.
Every day, the wind blew stronger. It snapped great branches, swept the withered leaves together into heaps, and scattered them again, and at last laid them like a soft thick carpet over the whole floor of the forest. The hedgehog crawled so far into a hole under a heap of stones that he remained caught between two of them and could not move neither forwards nor backwards. The sparrow took lodgings into a deserted swallow's nest. The frogs went to the bottom of the pond for good, settled in the mud, with the tips of their noses up in the water, and prepared for whatever might come. The Prince of Autumn stood and gazed over the land, to see if it was bare and waste so that winter storms might come buffering at will, and the snow lie wherever it pleased. Then he stopped before the old oak and looked at the ivy that clambered right up to the top and spread her green leaves as if winter had no existence at all. And while he looked at it, the ivy flowers blossomed. They sat right at the top and rocked in the wind. Now I'm coming, roared winter from the mountains. My clouds are bursting with snow and my storms are breaking loose. I can restrain them no longer. The Prince of Autumn bent his head and listened. He could hear the storm come rushing down over the mountains. A snowflake fell upon his motley cloak, and another, and yet another. For the last time, he put his horn to his mouth and blew. Thou greenest plant and tardiness, thou fairest, rarest hardiness, bright through unending hours, round summer, winter, autumn and spring, the vigorous embraces cling, look ivy mine, tis I who sing, tis autumn wins thy flowers, then you went away in the storm. The Scarf of the Lady, translated by Hermione Deneji. The field of the lady was the name which the peasants gave to a large tract of land belonging to a rich estate. The lord of the castle had given these fertile acres to his daughter, and had told her to do as she pleased with the grain which the field produced. Every year at harvest time, she invited the poor peasants of the neighbourhood to come and glean in her field, and take home with them as much grain as they needed for winter use. Sometimes when the gleaners were busily at work, one of them would cry out joyfully, Ah, there comes the lady of the castle. They could see her coming in the distance, for she always wore a simple dress of white wool, and over her head was thrown a scarf of white silk,
striped with many colours. She loved to come into the field while the people were at work and to speak words of encouragement and to cheer them. One sultry afternoon there were many peasants gleaning in the field. The lady of the castle had been with them for several hours. Suddenly she looked up into the threatening sky and said, My friends, see what large clouds are gathering. I'm afraid we shall have a storm before long. Let us stop cleaning for today and seek shelter. The peasants hastened away and the lady started towards the castle. As she drew near the green hedge, which bordered the field, she saw coming towards her a beautiful young woman and a fair child whose hand she held. Their little boy's golden hair fell in waves over his white tunic. You came to clean, said the lady of the castle in her sweet voice full of welcome. Come then, we'll work together for a little while before the rain falls. Thank you, said the young woman. The three began to pick up the ripe ears and pile them up in small heaps. They had worked but a little while, however, when a gust of wind swept over the field and great raindrops began to fall. The thunder rumbled in the distance and streaks of lightning rent the sky. Come, my friends, said the lady of the castle, we must seek shelter. See, there, near the wood, is a great oak, thick with foliage. Let us hasten to it and stand there until the storm is over. In a short time, they reached the tree and stood together under the shelter of its great branches. With his chubby hand, the child took hold of the end of his mother's veil and tried to cover his curly head with it. You shall have my scarf, said the lady of the castle, smiling. She snipped it off, wrapped it tenderly around the dear child's head and shoulders, and kissed his fair young brow. Suddenly, the great cloud seemed to roll away. The lady of the castle stepped out from the shelter of the tree to look at the sky. The storm had ceased, and the birds were beginning to twitter in the trees. She stood still, looking at the wonderful golden light which flooded the harvest field, and in the calm silence there came floating through the air the sweetest music she had ever heard. At first it seemed far, far away, then it came nearer and nearer until the air was filled with harmonious voices chatting tenderly in the purest angelic tones. She turned towards her companions, and lo, they had disappeared. In the distance, there was a sound like the light fluttering of wings. The lady of the castle looked towards the hedge where she had first seen her mysterious companions. 
there she saw them again, the lovely woman and the golden-haired child. They were rising softly and softly upon fleecy clouds. Around them and mounting with them was a band of angels chanting a joyful hosanna. The marvellous vision rose slowly into the clear blue of the heavens. Then on the wet ears of grain and in the harvest field, the lady of the castle knelt in silent adoration, for she knew she had seen the virgin and the holy child. While she worshipped in breathless silence, the heavenly choir halted, and in clear ringing tones, the angel sang out, Blessed be thou, blessed be the good lady who is ever ready to help the poor and unfortunate, blessed be this field of arms. The virgin stretched forth her hands to bless the lady and the harvest field. At the same time, the holy child took from his head and shoulders the silk scarf which the lady had wrapped around him and gave it to two rosy-winged cherubim. Away they flew, one to the right and the other to the left, each holding an end of the scarf which stretched as they flew into a marvellous rainbow, a rainbow arch across the blue vault of the sky. The Virgin and the Holy Child, followed by the angelic choir, rose slowly slowly into the sky, softly and gently as wood breezes, the heavenly music died away, and the vision disappeared, the lady of the castle rose to her feet, a marvellous thing had happened, the small heaps of grain gathered by the gleaners had changed into a harvest richer than the field had ever produced before, over all, in the sky still shone the lovely rainbow arch, the arch of promise across the field of arms. The Sickle Moon, a Tyrolean harvest legend, when of the crescent moon aware, hung silver in the sky, see Saint Nothburga's sickle there, the Tyrol children cry, it is a quaint and pretty tale, six hundred summers old, when in the green Tyrolene Vale, the peasant folk is told, the town of Eben nestled here, is little known to fame, same as the legends make it dear, in Saint Nothburga's name, for in this quiet country place, where a white church spire reared, Nothburga dwelt a maid of grace, who loved the Lord and feared. She was a serving little lass, bound to a farmer stern, who to and fro all day must pass, her coarse black bread to earn. She spun and knit the fleecy wool, she bleached the linen white, she drew the water buckets full, and milked the herd at night.
and more than this, when harvest tide turned gold o'er the plain, she took her sickle curving wide, and reaped the ripened grain. All the people yielded to the charm of this meek serving maid, save the stern master of the farm, of whom it all stood afraid, for he was hard to humble folk and cruel to the poor, a godless man who evil spoke, a miser of his store. Now it was on a Saturday, near to the Sabbath time, which in those ages far away, began at sunset chime. Nothburger in the harvest gold was reaping busily, although the day was grown so old that dimly could she see. Close by her cruel master stood, and fearsome was his eye, he glowered at the maiden good, he glowered at the sky, the many rows that reaping, yet the dark was falling fast, and soon the round sun would be set, and working time to pass, cling clan, the sunset chime pealed out, and Sunday had begun, Northburger sighed and turned about, the reaping was not done, she laid her curving sickle by, and said her evening hymn, wide gazing on the starless sky, where all was dark and dim, but hark a hasty summons came, to drown her whispered words, an angry voice called out her name, and scared the nestling birds, what ho Northburger lazy one, bend to your task again, and do not think the day is done, till you have reaped this grain, but master spoke Nothburger low, it's the sabbath time, we must keep holy hours now, after the sunset chime, and then in rage the master cried, the day belongs to me, I'm the lord of all the countryside, and hold the time in fee, no Sunday thought shall spoil the gain, that comes a hundredfold, from reaping on my golden grain, which shall be turned to gold, nay master give me gracious leave, the Lord's will I must keep, upon the holy Sabbath day, my sickle shall not reap, the master raised his heavy hand, to deal the mate a blow, Thou shalt, he cried his fierce command, and would have struck when low. Northburger whirled her sickle bright, and tossed it in the sky, a flash a gleam of silver light, as it went circling by, and there beside a little star, which had peeped out to sea, the sickle hung itself afar, as swiftly as could be, the master stared up wondering, forgetting all his rage, to see so strange a quainter thing, the marvel of the age, and she the maid so brave and good, thenceforth had naught to fear, 
but kept the Sabbath as she would, and lived a life of cheer. So when among the stars you see the silver sickle flame, think how the world came to be, and bless Northburger's name. Lost the summer. Where has the summer gone? She was here just a minute ago, with roses and daisies to whisper her praises, and everyone loved her so. Has anyone seen her about? She must have gone off in the night, and she took the best flowers, and the happiest hours, and asked no one leave for her fight. Have you noticed her steps in the grass? The garden looks red where she went, by the side of the hedge there's a golden rod edge, and the rose vines are withered and bent. Do you think she'll ever come back? I shall watch every day at the gate, for the robins and clover saying over and over, I know she will come if I wait. By the wayside, on the hill the golden rod, and the aster in the wood, and the yellow sunflower by the brook, in autumn beauty stood. Golden Rod Pretty slender golden rod, like a flame of light, on the quiet lonely way, close your torch so bright, with your glorious golden staff, gay in autumn hours, now you lead to wintry rest, or the lovely flowers, cheering with a joyous face, all that pass you by, how you light the meadows round, with your head so high.